Hey everyone, welcome to another Movie Mastery in Theaters Now edition. I'm John, that's Jeff, you know what it is. We're doing the movies that you voted for. This time we had a real close one. It was between Suicide Squad and Sausage Party, and it was neck and neck right down to the wire. It was a real photo finish when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Suicide Squad pulled ahead by like six votes and easily clinched it. Like I knew it would. Yeah, like you knew it would. After you cheated like a big cheater. I did not cheat. In fact, I think we can we can establish between two the two of us, one of us had their girlfriend vote. And I, I don't believe that was me. Nah, you voted for her. It's fine. I understand. <laughs> we have the same IP address. I would not be able to. You had to go to your girlfriend's house. Yeah, you just went to work and used all of your co-workers' computers. That would have been a breach of ethics, which I would not <laughs> brook, good sir. <laughs> I know that you're all about ethics. I am. Yep. Yeah. So, no, no cheating on my part. I only voted the customary three times, once each at home, <laughs> on my cell phone, and at work. Uh, good. And good then job. again at the library. Yeah, all of them. Every library. <laughs> every library. Just drove around town. <laughs> no, I, I didn't cheat. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're starting with, uh, with next month. I'm just not going to vote at all. Yeah. Up to the first couple times I voted, just so that people wouldn't would think that there were people that were voting, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like know, how you throw some money in the tip jar at the start of the day yourself. Exactly. you got to yeah. make people go like, oh, yeah, that's a thing people are doing. Yeah, I don't want to be the first off the wall, but I'll be the second. That's, yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, you want to be the second person to release Michael Jackson's off the wall. <laughs> I do. I would love to release Michael Jackson's off the wall. <laughs> I think I feel like I'd make some money off of that. You'd, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw Suicide Squad. We, uh... Just got back from that, so first things first, we're going to give you the non-spoiler review for anyone that still needs to go see it, and then we'll get back with all the spoilery, in-depth goodness. Mm -hmm. But as a general overview for the movie, I'm going to say, uh, kind of disjointed, a little disappointing. It felt like it was two or maybe even three movies that they were forced to stitch together. Uh, it very much felt like the product of a lot of notes. Yeah, there was definitely... Like, three different things that they wanted to focus on, which was uh, Deadshot, because they were like, oh, we're going to do a Will Smith movie. Uh-huh, and they sure did. Boy, howdy, did, did they do a Will Smith movie anytime they were doing Deadshot. Yeah, that that's very true. Very much a lot of, I have to protect my daughter, y'all white people must be crazy, just... Yeah, just, just very Will Smith. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things you'd expect Deadshot to do, and there are certain things you'd expect Will Smith to do, and anytime they had the opportunity, they went with Will Smith. Yeah. And then we've got the Harley Quinn Joker movie that they wanted to do. Yeah, I, I feel like the Joker's role increased and decreased as this movie went along. Like in the writing stages, they were like, oh, it'd be kind of neat to have the Joker make a brief appearance. And then, and then they were like, oh, wait a minute, we should put the Joker in here. Do you know how everyone loves the Joker? We could get so much Joker in this movie. And, and, they pro I, and I know, because I've, I've read the, the trades and so on, that they have fil they filmed a lot more Joker than they used. Yeah. They filmed like another half hour to 45 minutes of Joker material that didn't make it into this movie. Which I would imagine that the material that didn't make it into this is the rest of the Deadshot movie and the rest of the Harley Quinn Joker movie. Yeah, and everything from the third movie, which is, oh my god, you guys, we have like eight characters. We need, I guess we need to do a, a movie about Suicide Squad. Yeah, and that, then sort of as an afterthought, the actual Suicide Squad. Right. So uh, you guys your three different ideas for what the movie are. They They fight with each other. The movie has a very infectious sense of fun in the first 20 minutes or so. The characters get these really colorful on-screen introductions with, like, 
you know, their face met their their cool comic y gear being displayed in neon lights while smoke writes their their abilities and stuff on the screen for you. Like as they're being introduced. It's very colorful and pretty. It is marred dramatically by the fact that the soundtrack to this movie was brought to you by my dad's iPod on Shuffle. Oh yeah. It was amazing when this started. I was like, Oh, okay, you're doing like House of the Rising Sun. That's that's great. Okay, and then they just kept doing every single time one of those songs would end. It's just like, nope, and next one. Yeah, and it's it's so predictable. It was just going straight from like, all right, we got to do House of the Rising Sun because everyone's in prison. We're introducing a crazy person, so let's do Ballroom Blitz. Oh, we got to do some Credence. Let's get some Credence in there. Make sure we got the Rolling Stones. It just it was let's just, just the, cover the bases. The greatest hits of classic rock, bl- brought to you by Suicide Squad one hundred four point seven. Yeah, it <laughs> it was kind of silly. You know, you heard all the rumors about oh they had to go back and shoot a lot more jokes and just shove jokes in there. I I'd have to say I can tell the jokes that were shoved in there and the ones that were probably in there to begin with because the ones that were shoved in there feel very forced. Yeah. There were just times where you're like, you can feel the actor just look at the camera and be like, do I have to deliver this line? Okay, here we go. Right. Uh, Let's see. Let's talk briefly about the characters that appear in the movie. I really, mostly just because I want to introduce the only thing in the movie that I could tell that we both laughed at. (laughs) The only time that something got a laugh out of both of us at the same time was the introduction of Adam Beach's character, Slipknot, <laughs> who was introduced by coming out of a Jeep after everyone else has gotten, like, a real intro. Oh, yeah. Everyone has, at this point, been introduced in, like, prison, and they've gotten their, like, colorful intros and crazy shenanigans, and we're already, like, 20 minutes into the movie. And then a Jeep pulls up, and Slipknot just kind of gets out of it and punches a guy. Like, like it doesn't make any sense where he came from or anything. He's just like, I'm Slipknot, and here I am. And then... Because you can tell it's it's uh, done in in voiceover. Someone just goes, "Hey, there's Slipknot, the man who can climb anything." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I have to imagine like they had an intro for him to begin with, and then they were just like, "You know what? I don't care." Yeah, probably had a real no intro. one else does either. Well, I mean, notably, they give uh, they give Captain Boomerang an intro, but don't show him in prison all that much. Instead, they have him delivered in a bag. Yeah. That, it, uh, what I've read a lot of reviews saying that that uh, uh, was it Jai or High Courtney or whatever Jai Courtney Jai Courtney uh, that he's kind of the the runaway comic presence of the movie and the funniest one. Uh, no, he has like five lines. Yeah, he doesn't really do a whole lot I or think interact with anyone it, a whole bunch. If you think the idea of him having a stuffed unicorn is hilarious, then great, you're going to get that one joke a couple of times. Yeah, just the few actual funny things like that. That wasn't meant to be a joke, but was hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say humor-wise, the movie, not hilarious if they had not bothered to try and make it Guardians of the Galaxy, then, you know, I actually think it would have been better off for it. Yeah, they really did try to turn this into Guardians of the Galaxy, but let's just finish running through the roster of characters. So, of course, we have Slipknot, the man who can climb anything, and then we also have, uh, very introduced very late, uh, Katana. In this movie, and she's playing that traditional character who is Japanese and speaks Japanese, but only speaks Japanese, but understands English perfectly, and everyone else understands her when she talks in Japanese. You've seen that character in every cartoon ever. For some reason, every one of those like Young Justice and Justice League cartoons always has that character who speaks Japanese. It's always Japanese, too. They speak Japanese, and they understand English, and they don't bother to learn English, and no one else around them apparently needed to learn Japanese. They just all understand her. Yeah. So there she is. That's pretty much her whole character. She has a sword. She does not need to be in this movie. No. So the uh, baseline 
I just go ahead and say, no spoilers, but the movie is not great. It's, I, you know, I'd give it a wait until the director's cut of the DVD just to see. I already know there won't be one. They've, they've come out and said already, no, all the extra footage will we'll, we'll release a DVD that has you know, extra scenes or deleted scenes, but they're not going to stitch together a director's cut. Ah, oh, boo. Which has become a more common thing because that's expensive to do to bother with doing. Yeah. To actually release a second cut. And also it apparently dilutes the, the sales of the initial release. Huh. So, I don't know. You'll have to wait till Peter Jackson makes a, a Suicide Squad movie and then maybe you'll get a seven-hour <laughs> director's cut. Oh, man, that's what I'm waiting for. How much do you want that instead of this? I want that way more than I want, like, the third Hobbit movie. Yeah, this was directed by uh, David Ayers, and I cannot remember a single other thing he's done. I'm sure he's a very important director. I'm sure. Uh, did he do Blade Two? Was that him? Man, I don't know. All right, whatever. So, you want to get into the spoilers? Are we All good? Right. So, we'll be right back after this colorful music, brought to you by Suicide Squad 104.8. <laughs> the only station that offers free sausages to topless women. Ugh. <laughs> Visions of the things to be The pains that are withheld for me I realize and I can see That suicide is painless It brings on... We are back. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on our Erudite discussion of Suicide Squad. Mm, quite so. Topical. Mm, yes. Mm, very. I, I gotta say, I found the movie shallow and pedantic. <laughs> uh, well, definitely found it shallow. Mm, yes. I found it displayed a heuristic overlay towards a... Uh, I can't do this yes, for very long. You can't do that. <laughs> it's not my usual thing. <laughs> Come on, man. If you had told me we were doing that in advance, I'd have a couple things memorized and ready to go. I'd have that shit printed out. I'm very good at writing as if I was a grad student. I've done it on occasion. We have our friend Brian, who actually was a grad student for many, many years. And one of my favorite things to do is to type at him as if, like, in pure grad student language. Oh, yeah. Just do that. Hey, I'm writing nonsense, but it sounds good grad language. Hey, hey, Brian. Hegemony qua hegemony. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh, fuck you. No. (laughs) Uh, so yeah the suicide squad movie man we i mean we talked about slipknot briefly to begin with if you didn't realize that he was gonna get his head blown off the very first thing yeah you have not been paying attention to movies yeah because he's the character that no one's ever heard of and every time you watch the trailers for this thing or the previews or whatever you want he's not in them with the other characters ever no. That's because he's going to get his head blown off right away so that we can prove that the bomb works. Because that's the whole, you know Suicide Squad, come on people, you're our audience. You know that Suicide Squad, the John Ostrander created evil good guy team, uh, the way it always works is Amanda Waller or someone puts bombs in their necks. And sure enough, that happens in this. And then one person has to have their head blown off to prove that the bombs are real. Well, yeah, we have to have that moment where they're like, fuck you, I'm not going to do what you say, and then they died, and you're like, oh, that made all the rest of us get in line. Yeah, last time anyone animated the Suicide Squad, they they had it happen to KG Beast. Aw, poor KG Beast. He gets no respect. Hey, he was in the Batman vs. Superman movie. Well, not as KG Beast. Though. Yeah, but there was a dude who had the name of KG Beast's like, alternate identity, Yeah, and he was the dude who like uh, 
had the flamethrower, I think. He was the one who was threatening Martha Wayne or... Why'd you say that name? Yeah. Why'd you say that name? Wait, it wasn't Martha Wayne. She's long dead. It's the other one. It's Martha Kent. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, KG Beast has had his movie debut. It doesn't get his head blown off in this, because I think Batman sets him on fire. Yay. Um, So... So, yeah, the... Yeah, bombs. (laughs) The, uh... the, The death of Slipknot is... Probably the least effective thing as, like, a death in this movie. Well, you know, you're talking about a PG-13 movie where a person has their head blown clean off, so it's very clean. But it doesn't. It doesn't even blow it off. It's just, kapow, and the smoke comes out of his neck, and then he's dead. Well, yeah, but you also see his corpse hit a window, and the head's not there, but it's a shadow. Like, it's a silhouette of his corpse. Oh. So you're like, oh, there should be a head there, but there's not. That's how they do the the not-gross version of blowing a head off in this movie. Oh, yeah. I guess it just it blows up your head, and then it also cauterizes the wound. <laughs> so we can hang you headless and upside down and not have gore spilling out of you like a blood pinata. Ah, uh, blood pinata. How much? That would have been so much more cooler if this movie had been oh, rated I know, R. If they had gotten blood pinata instead of slipknot in there. <laughs> yeah, blood pinata. The man who could explode anything <laughs> as long as it's him. <laughs> <laughs> He's got more blood in him than if any living man. Hopefully no one blows up his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so uh, so you can also tell real quick in this movie that it's going to be that whole three-movie thing. Because yeah. they're like, all right, let's give you a long, in-depth introduction to Deadshot. Oh, my gosh. The introduction in this movie takes so long. The, the actual action sequence where they're in a city and fighting bad guys and, and beating up monsters and what have you... Feels like 20 minutes at the end. Yeah. The beginning of this movie, like the first third of it, is just the intro to characters and what the plot is going to be. Right. And so, and we... so the like the intro for Deadshot takes forever. Yes. And it gives you all the backstory and his daughter and whatnot and yeah. why Batman is... And Batman shows up and he hates Batman. Yeah, he doesn't care for Batman, but only because Batman catches him in front of his daughter. He's like, hey, and Batman's even nice about it. Like, he swoops up behind him, and he's like, hey, Deadshot, it's over. I didn't want to do this in front of your daughter. And then they have a very brief fight, which is interrupted by Deadshot's daughter, and then Deadshot surrenders, and he goes to prison. Yeah. And, and, and he's, he's set up as a man who never misses, and he assassinates a guy. Yeah, he does a weird improbable shot, and so on. And he sets up a little metal plate so he can shoot a, a, a bouncy shot off it and hit a guy. Yeah. He, he does a bouncy bounce. <laughs> he hate you so much. I'm sorry. uh and then uh of course right after that we get the introduction to harley quinn which again takes forever is is a huge intro of both like we need to establish that harley quinn is super dangerous so they keep telling you about all these times when she messed up a whole bunch of dudes right and oh by the way this whole thing is set to um over amanda waller talking so amanda waller played by viola davis in this is just like oh and i've got this person and no, they're amazing. They've got a power to do stuff. And right. So she's having dinner with some military guys, and so she's telling them the story about the time that Harley Quinn drove a or rode around with the Joker in a fancy car. Yeah. So we get a full background for the two of them, mm-hmm. and then it cuts. Like there's a break there, and it, then it does a whole bunch of other nonsense, and it then we get us, back to the introductions. I, you know, I'll say it actually gave us a surprisingly full length uh, introduction for. Uh, Captain Boomerang, which I, I'm pretty sure was filmed, one of the things they added to the movie after the fact, because it's it's mostly, they have a Captain Boomerang intro for no other reason than because they have a Flash cameo. Yeah. So we have a very brief appearance by the Flash in the movie, who lightnings into a scene and says something about how uh, 
like Captain Boomerang doesn't play well with others, which is like, duh, he just killed a guy. That's not a very good joke. Yeah, no, he's like, oh, no honor among thieves. What a jerk. Anyway, bloop a doop doo Anyway, you're caught. You're never going to be a threat to me ever. It's weird that you're in my rogues gallery. <laughs> I actually like the way they handle that in the Justice League cartoon, where, where uh, Flash's <laughs> rogues gallery knows they're not a threat for, to him, and they all just talk like they're tired, busy, like, like nine-to-five guys. Oh, yeah. Like Captain Boomerang in that is like, oh, yeah, I got to pay a mortgage on me house. He's just all, <laughs> he's just all depressed and sad, tired. Uh. He has ulcers. But, uh... <laughs> But no, this one's like a drunken Australian soccer hooligan, Captain Boomerang. Yeah, and all the rest of the intros, though, take maybe 30 seconds to a minute to do, though. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, Killer Croc, he's he looks weird, and so now he's big meanie, and he'll bite you. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, that's so uh, we're all done there. All set. Everybody's good. Uh, there's a guy who can do fires, and he's... He- Burns people with fires. Man, and he was he was a gangster on the street, and then there was fire. Anyway. <laughs> they don't even bother mentioning Slipknot during this intro. No, literally Slipknot <laughs> is introduced completely in that step out of the Jeep scene. And you're like, man, what is even happening here? The biggest surprise would have been if he lasted to the end of the movie. It would have been if amazing. If Slipknot was still alive at the end of this movie, I'd been like, holy shit. No way. I mean, there was a point way back in the early part of this film where I was convinced, like, or a uh, film's development cycle, where I was convinced they were going to kill off Deadshot during it. And the reason for that is because I didn't think they'd be able to afford Will Smith for a sequel. <laughs> that, that Will Smith was stunt casting, that they had him for one, and that he was going to have the big heroic death at the end. Aw. And that that made sense to me on, like, a sort of movie-making scale, but it isn't what they ended up doing. No. Uh, instead, they killed off the most obvious people, the two ones that you haven't heard of, really. Yep, the two people you haven't heard of, there you go. What do we, what do we got, two minorities that you haven't heard of before? Dead. Yeah, it's funny how they managed to use the, uh, the e- events of this movie to kill off all the Mexican Suicide Squad members. There you go. <laughs> Good job, Suicide Squad. <laughs> you did it. Uh, did Trump write this movie? What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one black guy makes it through, but he's one of the good ones. <laughs> he still has to go to jail, though. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it's it's the most diverse superhero movie we've gotten, but it's all the people that are bad guys that belong in jail. <laughs> and end up in jail and everything. Good so, job. let's talk about the rest of the cast that shows up in this. We have El Diablo. We'll talk about him in depth in a little bit. But a very important cast member who we haven't mentioned yet is, is Colonel Rick Flagg. Oh, Rick Flagg. Now, Rick Flagg is played in this movie. You probably know Rick Flagg. He's... He's one of those consummate soldier types that you always see in movies that in these kind of things, your Thunderbolt Rosses and so on. He doesn't have any superpowers. He's just very committed to the American cause. He's a super soldier, and uh, he does whatever Amanda Waller tells him to. Uh, he is played by Scott Eastwood, or Clint Eastwood's son. Or Scott Ackerman. He's played by Scott Ackerman. Scott Eastwood is only famous because Clint Eastwood was famous. He's not a very good actor, and he looks like a strung-out meth head. That is very true, yes. He, he does not look like he belongs in this movie. He looks like he should be dying during the second scene of the third episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> right? He should be uh, popping up, hey, y'all, get y'all damn hands off my land. And then uh, a zombie eats him. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's what he does not look like an action hero. Oh, I mean, my meth. <laughs> damn zombie ate my meth. Oh, that zombie's going to be high on bath salts. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we get our... Uh, other member of the team that is also the main villain as well. Yeah. Which is Enchantress. Yeah. And she's and, played by Cara Delevingne, which means that of the three women in this movie, uh, well, four, counting Viola Davis, of the yeah. four women in this movie, two of them are professional models that have become actors recently. Yeah. 
Um, so that's that's also also the case of Margot Robbie, who does a fantastic do- job as Harley Quinn. She's fine. She's serviceable. Yeah, it was it was a fine job of being Harley Quinn. Yeah. So uh, Cara Delevingne's performance is forgettable at most, I guess. I mean, she's playing two characters. She has to start, and I love that they kept the Enchantress's origin. Huh. Of all the things to put in this movie, that 1950s-style origin of Enchantress, where professional archaeologist, who for some reason is a 21-year-old woman, June, Glo- or June Moon. June Moon, who by herself stumbled upon a temple out in the jungle somewhere. You're like, what the fuck archaeologist is this? Yeah, and it, by the way, I don't mean that women can't be archaeologists. I just mean that all the women in this movie are like teenagers. And and to, to see her, like some 24-year-old model, having to... to uh, Oh no, she's she's up with Scott Eastwood. It's specifically Margot Robbie. So watching a twenty-five-year-old Harley Quinn fall in love with a forty-seven-year-old Jared Leto, uh, just just unpleasant. Not to mention, I mean, no, he, I mean also Jared Leto is unpleasant. Very much so, and we'll talk about him when we get to a Joker scene. I, I, there's a lot to unpack with that. Now, let me say here one of the things that I I know that it was mostly just that they were using whatever they had for the Suicide Squad, but man, when Amanda Waller's talking about, like, uh, you know, imagine if Superman wanted to take over the world and he wanted to just rip the roof off the White House and grab the president. Who would stop him? We need our own metahumans. And I'm like, you have none. You made a suicide squad of people that are like, I'm crazy. I shoot good. I can climb anything. <laughs> you have one metahuman in Diablo, and he doesn't want to use his powers. Well, technically, I think they have three. Because they have Enchantress, she's par- supposed to be part of the squad, although she is never, never interacts with them. No. You have uh, Diablo, who's a firefighter guy, and then you also have uh, Killer Croc, who is technically a metahuman. He's, the thing is, they always talk about Croc as if he was just like a circus freak who happens to be into cannibalism, essentially. Uh, yeah, except that he can like swim forever, and he's got super strength. I mean, it's not, not well, a lot of, is- he's, got a, he's got Batman villain level super strength. I was going to say, they never show him doing anything super strong in this. Well, they show him picking it up and flinging around the zombie things that they eventually end up fighting, because of course they eventually end up fighting zombie things. It's a modern movie. You need to have a cheap, disposable villain that looks like all the other ones for CG purposes. And also so that you can have your bad guys that are heroes kill things without it being actually killing people. Yep. So that don't worry about whether or not that happens, because of course that happens. That happens in every movie, even the really, really good ones. Guardians of the Galaxy had disposable, what are they, the Badoon, I think? Yeah. So, so You had to have guys that you can just blow up and not worry about. Yeah, so they're, they're, it's, they all do that. But anyway, yeah, the, the uh, Killer Croc, I think, is the like the bare edge minimum of metahuman. He's like the he's riding that line between metahuman and simply disabled. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I'm not quite sure if you're metahuman or if I should feel bad for you. Hey, it's a little column A, a little column B. It's a Batman villain. They're all like that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, is the penguin a metahuman? He's all weird looking. Sometimes he has bird-like things. But, but no, <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> bird-like things. He does. He steals yeah, them. he's got bird things. He does. He steals them constantly. He's always like, wah, wah, wah. someone put a, a penguin-shaped crystal into the Gotham Museum. I love that he's into just birds in general, though, even though he's the penguin. I'm oh, like, yeah. Man, the penguin is the least bird-like thing you could take to be like, Still oh, and I, now I'm into birds. Yeah, well, that's... I mean, I don't think he was always into that, but th- there's a certain element to him now where everyone's like, ah, the Grand Canary Diamond, I'm going to steal it. it. You'd think eventually jewelers would be like, you know what, let's not put bird-shaped shit in Gotham City. 
or named things. Oh yeah, anything that's got anything, anything that's like oh the cat's eye diamond. Well, I guess Catwoman's coming for that. Yeah, you can't do any of that. Oh man, I've got this painting that represents duality. Can't put that there. Nope, nope, that's not going. Well, <laughs> what do we got? Something that's featuring clowns? Well, nope. Ooh, question mark based architecture. Let's uh, <laughs> I've got this riddle based museum exhibit. <laughs> Actually, I've been to a riddle-based museum exhibit. It's just one of those educational things. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to see Edward Nigma just on the weekends volunteering at the museum to teach kids. And then at night, he robs it. He's yeah. like, aha, I shall invade the Math Alive Extreme Discovery exhibit at the local children's museum. And then he comes back that weekend and brings it back so he can teach the kids more. <laughs> And Batman just lets him steal it because he knows he's going to bring it back. <laughs> he just stole a bunch of, like, little liftable things that have the answer to a puzzle about dinosaurs on the other side. Oh, yeah. And one of those Van de Graaff generators that makes your hair stick up. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine! All mine! <laughs> I've got a little tube that blows a ball up into the air. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's how I view the Riddler. <laughs> Oh, man, I can't wait for him to show up in a Batman movie again. <laughs> All right, so, so yeah, Killer Croc. Uh, so three metahumans, and she's yeah. real proud of them, and the only one that's any good, and the one that she uses as her story for how she'd stop Superman, is that she has an honest-to-God witch. Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, this is crazy, and she does magic stuff. And, you know, when she uh, does that in the, like, briefing room, and she's telling all of these high-up Pentagon muckety-mucks that, like, Oh, I've got all these people that we can put in a squad, and and I've got this witch, and the she has the enchantress like teleport to Tehran or something and get some weapons weapon plans. Yeah, and the main guy's like, we've been trying to get this for months. Uh, also, I'm completely nonplussed about the fact that a dirty Kesha witch has just teleported behind me and is stroking my face and he's just like stop touching me oh yeah no he's just like knock that shit off you look like <laughs> it's like her whole power set's basically like what if nightcrawler went to burning man <laughs> you have this dirty teleporting bikini hippie <laughs> that is 100 percent accurate <laughs> i mean she has other powers that start popping up but almost 100 percent of her power set in this movie is teleporting or d- using vague telekinesis to assemble a super machine yeah, so the uh, the fact that everyone in that room is just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. sure. Mm, crazy witch. Crazy That's, witch that just teleported. I don't think at any point anyone was like, okay, but how does that stop Superman from killing the president as per your initial suggestion? Yeah. What does, he, what does, what does she do, offensively teleport at him? What's he get? He's fucking Superman. He'd punch her head clean off. And he's Superman from this universe. He'd kill her as soon as look at her. <laughs> how do you stop Snyder's Superman? Come on. That's and that is the the, the only way that Enchantress stops her is if he finds out that her mom's name was Martha Martha Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say that name? Oh <laughs> uh, god. The uh so the fact that she's like, yeah, I've got this team and we're going to stop any meta threat that shows up. And I'm like, but you aren't cuz None of these guys are meta level. Like, Deadshot will shoot at Superman, and he'll be like, great, I don't care. We, we also don't see any example of what I would describe as, as uh, Captain Boomerang being especially good at boomerangs. No, he, he throws a boomerang and kills something once, and every other time he's just stabbing stuff. He, yeah, he uses them as sharpeny daggers, and then at one point he throws one with a camera attached to it, which is just knocked out of the air by the by the movie's extra villain. Yeah. Uh, and, and at any other point, you're like, what is this guy? Oh, he's just some drunken lout 
Well, okay, but is he really, really good at boomeranging? I mean, enough that it's better than just having a gun would be. Also, let me say, there are at least three times in this movie where he throws a boomerang and misses, and they never did the thing where it hits him on the way back in the whole movie. Oh, like where uh, he, he throws him. the boomerang and someone's like, ha, you missed, and then it whacks him in the back oh, of the yeah, head. Oh, yeah, you're right. We never got the wait we, for it line. Yeah, yeah. Never did it in the whole movie, and I was like, what the fuck? That's the whole point of boomerangs. Yeah. The, they come back. We got the one, the one they come back joke we got in this movie was where he throws a boomerang, and uh, after he's thrown it, Katana puts a sword to his neck and pushes him against a wall. And then he catches the boomerang. And he says, oh, sorry, they do that. Because she's, she's they've, they've told him to hold still. But instead, he sticks his hand in the air and grabs the boomerang, and he's like, sorry, they do that. It's like, they do what? They come back to you after you've been shoved ten feet backwards into a wall? Are they magnetic? What's happening? Yeah. It was just, man, what a what a poor use of poor old Captain Boomerang. Yeah, it could have been interesting. You know, even the fucking Captain Boomerang in Arrow was more threatening than this guy. That is true, because at least his exploded and shit. Yeah, he had explodey boomerangs, and he did all kinds of cool boomerang-related tricks. Yeah, man, you gotta have tricks. Yeah, that's the whole thing. With if, if you have boomerangs, and what's your power with boomerangs? I can throw them at people. Okay, but you know what? Guns okay. are gu- yeah, but, gu- guns. Yeah, you're on the same team as Deadshot. It's why you know when you have say Green Arrow, you can't just be like, "What do you do? I I can shoot people with an arrow." Okay, but I can shoot you with a gun. So what what makes you special? Well, yeah, the Arrow universe explains that away by saying that guns never hit ever, nothing yeah. ever, not not once, unless Diggle is shooting them. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's Diggle's superpower. Is he can hit people with guns? <laughs> he has the one gun in the world that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> no, he. I mean, he can hit people with guns, so he'll just pistol whip the hell out of you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, right away, the introdu- after the introduction of the movie, a metahuman threat occurs, and of course, it's because Amanda Waller done fucked up. Uh, Enchantress gets control of of her own power set. Uh, basically, Amanda Waller is controlling Enchantress by having her heart. Like she yeah. has Amanda Waller has a heart in a box that belongs to Enchantress, and whenever she wants Enchantress to do something, she just opens up the box and pokes the heart a bunch. Yeah, she just threatens the heart. Yeah, and, and then Enchantress is like, yeah, fine, whatever. And then to give it a human element and to have a connection to the rest of the team... Uh, Rick Flag is in, in love, love with June. In June. Yeah, in love with June Moon, so that he has a reason to want to go in and try and rescue her from the Enchantress body. Because they share a body. It's like, it's one of those, she is possessed by the witch. Yeah. When she says the word Enchantress. But anyway, she immediately gets control of herself, like after two minutes, and goes off, grabs a random dude in a subway bathroom, and turns him into her evil brother, Incubus, whose name is never said in the movie, but it is written down on screen once. Yeah, I had no idea who that guy was, and they never said it, and I, was, I must have missed that writing when they put it up, because I was like, come on, tell me who the fuck this guy is, I yeah. have no idea what's happening If you were right looking now. for double obscure DC villains, it's Incubus, a, just a generic magic villain. Because man, he sure did look like the Avatar of Cain from Warhammer 40k. Yeah, he looked a lot like the Avatar of Cain, you're absolutely right. Boy, uh, if anyone listening has played 40K, Warhammer 40k, yeah. you know exactly what I'm talking about. He also looked a little bit like if the Thor destroyer armor had opened up to reveal a black guy in there. <laughs> when it did that, like face opening thing to shoot a laser but instead of a laser there was just a guy in there and he's like hello oh i have a glowy face hi <laughs> that's that's a lot of what this thing is so that's our big villain in the movie our big scary kind of blowing shit up dude uh his power is that he has dulcim arms yeah he shoots like ribbon weird flesh tentacle things yeah. that melt stuff yeah they kind of melt stuff kind of warp stuff so that that like you find people trapped in like amber bands that are stuck to the sides of subway tunnels and stuff it's it's sort of odd because you're like oh sometimes he just like 
shoots his hand and it melts right through a tank and then other times he like knocks someone away with it and you're like Man, yeah. you don't you don't have any sort of consistency here. The legitimate, but that's fine. I understand. Yeah, I know. He's the he's the MacGuffin villain. He's got to yeah. fight eight guys, so you know that it makes sense for him to have fiat whatever powers. Uh, his his one neat trick that he does in the movie is there's a point where a subway car almost hits him, so he just stands there and bisects it with his plasminess. Yeah, that was kind of a cool looking shot. Uh, and then he immediately fixes the whole heart situation. Yeah, he's like, here, I'll just stab you with my weird tentacles that can do anything and give you some of my power. So the fact that your heart's been stabbed doesn't matter. Yeah. Which causes her to immediately go fix it by going and getting her heart back right away. So now she's all set to just be a witch by herself with her heart in her, with her heart in her chest like where it needs to be. And then they have a brief conversation in, I don't know, Orcish or something where she's like, it's the same planet, but it's much later. And he's like, well, do they worship us? And she's like, no, they worship machines. So I will build the biggest machine that will destroy them. And there you go. That's why the, the movie is happening is because she's using some generic vague telekinesis to, to swirl metal around in the air. That shoots a big lightning beam into the sky, because of course it does, and now, uh, then now it'll I'd blow like everything to, up. I'd like to, again, say here, when they, when Amanda Waller is telling her to go get that shit from Tehran, mm -hmm. she just has, like, a little knife that she's pointing at the heart. Yeah. And I go, we have established that you have telekinesis and teleportation, which means you go, shove Amanda Waller, grab heart, teleport away, we done. Yeah, there's, it's... It's uh, it's a little silly, but whatever. I'm sure there's some magic reason that she can't just teleport and take it. Like, you'd think they'd go, all right, I have someone who's watching us, and he's in an undisclosed location that even I don't know, and if you do anything, he crushes your heart. And you're like, okay, well, now I have to do your shit. Right. But no, it's just, here it is, like, two feet in front of you. You can just straight up reach out and grab it, but nope. Yeah, well, anyway, whatever. it's, it's a MacGuffin that doesn't last very long, because she immediately gets it back, and now she has her full power set. Uh, at which point they activate Task Force X and we get a long, boring scene where all of the Task Force heroes are assembled into like uh, some they place. trunks full of stuff that they're like, here, here's all the gear you'll need. We also gave you all your costumes because <laughs> that's a thing we wanted you to have. They literally gave uh, Harley like three Harley Quinn costumes. And a, like a choker that says puddin'. Like, you're assembling a team to go fight something, and you're like, oh, well, we better make sure she has a choker that says puddin' on it. Yeah, it wouldn't be fair for her to go out into, in public without her shorty, shorty, short shorts. Yeah, we better get some booty shorts and a tiny ripped t-shirt on her. <laughs> like, is that just her old stuff? It's gotta be, right? Like, that's, they just, all they did was open up the evidence locker and just give her her shit back. Because otherwise, they would have had to have someone custom rip up a shirt for her. Oh, yeah. I'm also, very sad in the sequence because not only does she pull out the Harlequin outfit from her introduction on Batman the Animated Series uh, and then discard it in exchange for a ripped short and, or shirt and booty shorts, but also she pulls out her Harley Quinn hammer. Yep. And then trades it in for a baseball bat that she will use for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's a bunch of like, hey, look at all this cool stuff you could have had. Anyway, here's just a sexy lady with a baseball bat. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Deadshot gets dressed up in his outfit that says, I am the light and the way on it at about 18 locations. Which, fine, sure, that, whatever. But <laughs> it's also that, you know, whenever we talked about the old superhero movies and they couldn't have masks on them because they were too big of a stars? Same thing with Will Smith and Deadshot. He puts the mask on once. It's on in the assassination sequence, but only when he's running away. Yeah. And then it, he puts it on again in the movie for half of one fight scene. Yep. And then that's it. Hey, you because know what? he's fine. Will Smith and you can't have him in a mask. And you know what? It's fine because, he, he, honestly, he looks better without the mask. The mask has a little bit of that kind of big face problem you get with some movie masks and, and uh, TV show masks. He looks great without it and the little Dragon Ball Z spotter thing he puts on over his eye instead. It's, yeah. It's, it's fine. No, it's, 
I mean, it looks okay. It's just amusing to me that they keep casting, like, their big-name people for guys that are in masks, and they're like, well, we can't have you in the mask, though. Well, I don't think it's ever going to be as bad as it is in Spider-Man. No. I mean, in this movie, they had a reasonable excuse for why he's not wearing it. Oh, they not reasonable. They give him a dumb reason. There's a point where he pulls the mask out, and Harley walks over and is like, hey, why, not, why aren't you wearing your mask? And he's like, every time I put this mask on, I kill someone. And they're like, okay, but, I mean, you're going to. Yeah, and you don't care if you do. I mean, you're dead shot. And, you know, we, we're going to try and go out of our way to establish that you don't give a shit. Yeah, well, he does. It turns out he loves his daughter. Well, of course. It's the only thing he cares about. Yeah. So, well, no, in this movie, he also cares about justice, and he saves Harley Quinn, and he's nice to Harley. Ugh. There's So there's a whole bunch of sequences. of it, It's one of those things where he's becoming a hero by the end. Yeah. Well, even then, not really. He's mostly just like, ah, I don't like you guys. But right. I like I like the Suicide Squad people because you're my people. But this whole scene, it's set in some random desert, and there's helicopters coming in and out. It's where Rick Flagg gets to meet the rest of the team and give them their gear back and all that. And it's it's just like having a second intro. It's almost like they just filmed the intro again, and this was like the serious version of it. Like, they did the one with the cool, flashy special effects, and then another one where it's like, I'm Killer Croc. I have super strength. Okay, but <laughs> it, I'm Deadshot, and I can hit bullets at the same spot all the time. Okay. All right. I'm Harley Quinn, and I I am known to be quite vexing, which uh, Rick Flagg responds to with like, "Shut up, man, Sh- meth." <laughs> <laughs> Rick Flagg re- responds to with, "You Holden? <laughs> is Holden Caulfield here?" <laughs> yes, that is exactly it. <laughs> I just I don't want to be mean to the guy. I'm sure he's a very fine actor and yes, whatever. He's Although, a, he is a very fine actor. I, I have I have my own personal issues with people who are famous because their parents were famous. I don't want my movies crowded up with them. Mm, really yeah no i I don't care you want to watch a bunch of jaden smith movies you go ahead but i'll 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 pass no i'll take them estevez though oh oh like uh, getting emilio yeah i get that emilio well here's there's certain people that i think are exceptions i I give you a really good example would be nick cage i mean he is like francis ford coppola's nephew or something right yeah but i didn't know that because his name's nick cage (laughs) he changed his name from coppola yep so that's that's fine. He earned it. But Scott Eastwood's like, hey, my dad was in all those cowboy movies. Please put me in a movie. Put me in your movie. <laughs> no, you, you look like a meth head. You don't look like your dad. Get out of here. Uh, okay, so what else we got? Go After that introduction scene, we get to go to one of the two references to DC that this movie manages to fart out. Mid- huh. Midway City. Uh, Midway City is the home of Hawkman. Is there a reference to Hawkman anywhere in this movie other than the name Midway City? Of course not. No. God, no. Why would there be? Yeah. So uh, we get they go to Midway City. Oh, by the way, the Joker is tracking Harley through all of this. Yeah. So, again, it's just the, the three different movie problem of we've got a lot of Deadshot where Deadshot keeps talking about how he does things and wants to find his daughter and he'll just get into confrontations with people and he's... Sort of the leader of the team, as much as they want to make like, oh, Rick Flagg's the leader, and all these people are just trying to escape. But you know, Deadshot's basically the leader of them. Yeah, like right away, he establishes that he is the leader instead of Rick Flagg. And Harley Quinn has her entire movie that is the Joker trying to get her back. And, and there's she... all these like he uh, kidnaps one of the guards for the prison for Bell Rev, and is like. Okay, you need to slip Harley this cell phone, and yeah. then we'll do whatever, and so on and so on. And then eventually he manages to find her in a helicopter, and they escape. And then the helicopter is immediately shot down, and Joker's done with this, with the movie until the very end. 
Yeah. So it basically sets up that she has a reunion with the Joker and then immediately loses her reunion with the Joker. Now, all right, let me just go ahead. We'll start talking about Leto's Joker. Yeah, sure. That was a good time. Leto's Joker is basically an eccentric crime boss, and that is it. Yeah, it's like a weird take on Carmine Falcone instead of uh, the Joker. Uh, He doesn't smile barely at all. For some reason, he spends a lot of the movie growling, like literally going, Yeah, he's like doing a weird purr growl thing. Yeah. And, you know, he's, I'll give them this, at least the laughing uh, smile tattoo on his hand he'll use instead of actually smiling. Oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, that was sort of clever use of the tattoo. I, I didn't care for that. I thought that was just stupid looking. The thing there's... is, if you're going to cover him tattoos, at least make there be a point to it. And I was like, oh. And he like puts his hand over someone else's mouth so it looks like that smile thing is there. I'm like, okay, that's at least somewhat clever use of the tattoo. I, I guess. Mostly, the, the whole sequence with the introduction of the Joker is uh, he gets Harley Quinn the same way he always does. He seduces his psychiatrist. Yeah. Uh, and then she becomes his crazy, uh, like, sexy assassin slave. And then we have a scene of him in a nightclub where some random crime boss is, like, offering fealty to him. And Joker responds by basically, like, messing with him. He's like... Uh, oh, yeah, because the, the other guy's like, oh, yeah, you got to get yourself a bad bitch. And he's like, oh, you said something about Harley Quinn? Now let me just fuck with you for a while. Yeah, so he, like, offers him Harley Quinn. And then when he's like, no, man... I'm not going to steal your girl. I am not crazy. You are the Joker. And Joker finally is like, oh, well, I guess I guess I'll just shoot you because you didn't fall for my initial Joker gag. Like your, his initial gag was like, ah, you like her? You want her? Here, take her. And his response is like, nope, I know who you are. I'm not a crazy idiot. No, fuck you. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And Joker's like, well, I, I guess. I, wait, damn it. I'm just going to shoot you then. Fine. Uh, you're not falling. Ah, Batman would have fallen for this. And also, he's just always in. Just nice suits. Like, even if occasionally that suit happens to be sort of purple-ish. Yeah, you, he's wearing gold and white a lot in this movie. That almost seems like it's the Joker standard colors in this. They yeah. do have they have one very cool-looking shot of him. The shot where he's diving into the acid is a very cool-looking shot. Yeah. Uh, because that's they do this thing where Harley's skin is bleached white by diving into some vat of acid for the Joker. And then he dives in after her and they make out in there. Yeah. And at that point, it's like, oh, she was... Wearing blue, and he had red on, and it swirls to purple, and you're like, oh, okay, there's some purple. Good job. Yeah, that was... But most of the time, you don't get that. It was a relatively clever-looking shot. Uh, I I like that. Otherwise, though, he just looks like... I know that the teeth are supposed to be a suggestion that that, uh, Batman beat the shit out of him for killing Robin, but he doesn't seem like the sort of guy that could have efficiently killed Robin. He's just a low-level crime boss in this movie, and he's played like a thug all the way through. Oh, yeah. He's just like, oh, I, I have... Random people that are super loyal to me. None of them are really, like, clown-based. We occasionally do capers where everyone's dressed in costume. Yeah, they give costumes, including... I liked the, the touch that one of them does his bank robberies in a Batman costume. Yeah. Like a cheap Halloween Batman costume. I thought that was clever. But the problem with that is most of it is just, oh, yeah, it's it's just a guy. He robs banks. He doesn't have any sort of insanity or well, the- stupid weird plans. It's just, oh, I'm I'm a crime boss. That's what I do. The worst thing he says about Batman in this movie, and this is a real telling thing for me, is at one point they're driving around in a stolen, I assume, Lamborghini or something, and Batman lands on their roof. Uh, is chasing them in the Batmobile as well. And and Joker only says, we have company. And that's the last thing he says about, or, about Batman in the movie. 
And to me, I feel like if you're going to introduce the Joker in a movie, you really need to do the whole dark mirror thing. Even if they aren't going to fight, even if he's not a major character, you need to have him go like, I hate the bat. You need one of those. Huh. Something. Because otherwise he doesn't really play. No, he doesn't come off as like this unhinged, insane force of nature like you normally get from the Joker. It's just sort of, what is this guy? Uh, he's kind of a weird creeper. And a crime boss, and occasionally he does a not even like a lot of laughing. He'll just kind of go, ha, ha. yeah. You get the 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 new iconic Joker laugh is the ha ha ha, ha. and that's you get you get like one of those in the movie. Yeah, great. All right, whatever. That's the scene where he's surrounded by knives and guns, and for some reason, baby clothes. <laughs> yeah. I get, uh, whatever he's there he is that's jared leto who immediately after the movie came out with a press statement about how he feels like he had been tricked into making it yep he just showed up to set one day and he was like hey guys i just wanted to say hi i brought you some lunch and they're like how about you step over here and put on some clothes and he's hey, like oh okay hey would you be willing to spend four hours sitting in a chair getting fake prosthetic uh, prosthetic dental work <laughs> and he's like oh is this for charity and they're like yes it is it's a charity dental work procedure <laughs> Well, I guess I'll do it for the kids. You know, the kids always look up to 30 seconds to Mars. <laughs> That's what the kids do. Yeah. And I get I get letters every day from all the cancer kids in the world that just want to tell me how much they liked my my character in that movie, the that Brad Pitt movie. You know the one? You know. Fight Club. You know. You know, I was in that movie for like a minute. Yeah. You, just you like remember? I'm in, I was too blonde. Yeah. Just like in this movie where I'm clearly too blonde and I'm only in the movie for like four minutes. Huh? <laughs> uh... Yeah. yeah, so there you go. There's Leto's Joker. Done. He, he decided to method act like a crazy man because he was in a movie for five minutes. I, I assume he thought he was in the movie for like an hour. Because I'm, I'm sure that all, that's all filmed. He even had a statement a while back saying that he doesn't think that the footage of him will come up until after he dies. Huh. I'm not sure what that meant. Like, if there's some reason. Why, it's like, what does he want? It's like, give that footage to the people. The people want more of my weird, not that interesting Joker. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't envy the guy. You had to follow Heath Ledger. Yeah. Uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is pretty famous at this point. It's a very iconic, very interesting Joker performance. Yes. And I understand they were like, oh, let's try and do something weird with Joker. But what you did was just turn him into a like crime boss, and that was it. I'll tell you another thing, though, I am thankful for is that at least they didn't cut him into the face cut off Joker. Which is kind of yeah. the, the new bad Joker that you could, they could have done. Ugh. Like, I feel like if, if Snyder had done this movie, we would have gotten the face cut off Joker. God, I hate that. Man, DC, I hate you so much. Just so much. <laughs> so anyway, that we get a scene of Batman stopping Deadshot and a scene of Batman stopping uh, Harley. Uh, and then that's it for Batman for most of this film. We're off to Midway City, where sure enough, uh, what's her Enchantress has found a way to turn regular civilians into bug into uh, lots of eyes, but immune to bullet style zombies. They're ba- I mean, when you kill them, they basically look like they were made out of like charcoal. Yeah, yeah, they they die in a fun, bloodless way. That's good. Yeah, and, and uh, it turns out that while they're immune to AK forty seven bullets, they're not immune to deadshot bullets or to boomerangs. So it's good that the uh, that the or or baseball bats. Oh yeah, or or crocodile mans. <laughs> Or climbing anything. <laughs> or climbing any. Oh, no, <laughs> no he's already de- dead. His death scene is they land. Uh, Boomerang, Boomerang is like, hey, I think they're just messing with our head. I don't think there's actually a bomb. Okay, let's escape. And then, like, 
<laughs> Slipknot, the man who can climb anything, just shoots a grappling hook. Doesn't climb, yeah. and then blows up. He shoots you don't a grap- even see him climb things. Well, he shoots a grappling hook, gets to a wall, shoots another grappling hook. He's going up like ten feet at a time between these two buildings. Like, I feel like Batman would laugh at that. They'd be like, you know, I just I have this thing in my lawn. I could go like 500 feet in the air. It's no big deal. I just do that whenever I want. What do you, what do you, you can climb any, this is ridiculous, man. Why do you have nooses in your hair? <laughs> this is awful. Oh. So anyway, yeah. And then uh, Rick Flagg proves that there are bombs by blowing him up with a cell phone, which causes Harley to say the stupidest thing in the movie. Oh, talk about a killer app. Oh, by the way, before this, we had, of course, Will Smith's famous, Oh, so what is this? Some kind of Suicide Squad? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's in the stupid, useless desert introduction sequence. Oh my god, he's like, the best you guys thing gonna, ever. You guys are going to go to a place, and you're going to fight, and maybe you'll die. And he's like, what is this? Some kind of a, some kind of a Challengers of the Unknown? <laughs> what are we, some kind of Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> going to avenge a problem? What, are you going to give us a bunch of guns and equipment and metal boomerangs? What are we, some kind of metal men? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, there's only four of us that matter here. We're some kind of... Fantastic Four and then some other guys. <laughs> Look, if we're all going to die, then we may as well be some X-Men. Yeah, I mean, uh, if we're just going to be marching into our death, what are we, some kind of Doom Patrol? <laughs> Here you go, folks. Ten jokes that would have been better than what he actually says. Oh, if he Lord. had said, what are we, some kind of Doom Patrol, that would have been the best thing. <laughs> and then you have to have Scott Eastwood being like, uh, no. No, man. No, we're not the Doom Patrol. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it just gets increasingly <laughs> Just running around and throwing things. No. No. Not the Doom Patrol. No. <laughs> uh, yep. What are we? Some kind of suicide squad. At that point, that, that dumbass line gave me brief hope that there would be a rap about the Doom Patrol or the Suicide Squad at the end of this movie. <laughs> that we get the Will Smith, uh, Suicide Squad, always getting the job done, using our jumpy jumps. God damn you. Man who can climb anything. <laughs> oh my god, everyone gets their own little rap verse. Yeah. And then, like, at the very end, he's like, a slipknot. Anyway. <laughs> Here comes the Suicide Squad. <laughs> That's I wanted that way better than what we they got. They aren't the Doom Patrol. <laughs> Maybe they are. <laughs> uh, it's unclear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. What are we some kind of... He also gets uh, y'all bitches must be crazy and and something about, uh, oh, white people, this problem for me. Yeah. But y'all bitches must be crazy was like peak Will Smithing. <laughs> He Will Smith real hard. He Will Smithed up my toilet real bad. He just Will Smithed into the room. Will Smithed around like a little hurricane. It's Will Smithed out the window. But yeah, there's a scene where they give him some guns and he immediately says, y'all people must be crazy. Oh, you did not just shoot that green shit at me. Ah, uh, so good. Yeah, we don't get those, thankfully. Uh, anyway, at this point, it's a generic action movie. The, the, the interesting bit being that El Diablo does not want to use his powers because he accidentally killed his family with them. So every sequence features him in a his costume that they gave him. They give him a co- which is a wife beater with a varsity jacket over it. Yeah, it was just hey, what is this? Uh, it's a shirt I have and a jacket that says like El Diablo on it. Yeah, and uh, there we go. Well, they That's couldn't me. give him back his crazy face tattoos, so instead. But yeah, he just spends the whole movie like calmly walking around in the background of fight sequences. And honestly, let me just go ahead and say this. El Diablo, probably my favorite thing in this movie, because he's the only one with a character arc. 
Yeah, no, he has a straight up character. I mean, I feel like Will Smith kind of does. Eh. There's even a sequence where Harley Harley has to compose herself because she's been crying. Yeah, but that's just because of the Joker. Yeah, I know. Well, Harley's arc is always the Joker's arc. Until recently, DC has always kept it that way. Recently, she's actually had a break from the Joker that's that's lasted like two years or something. Well, yeah. But in this movie, they're not ready for that. They're not ready for Harley to be a standalone act. No. Uh, not until she fights Batman a couple of times. And until she meets Poison Ivy, because you got to do that. I mean, yeah, you she's, have a, to. she's a Paul Dini character, which means she there's there's like three things about her that you need to know. Paul Dini created her. So, first of all, her nipples incongruously point upwards. <laughs> she's constantly finding excuses to wear a big shirt and nothing else. And she's sort of a lesbian sometimes, but not really, but only when guys are watching, kind of. Yeah. There you go. That's that's every Paul Dini character. That that goes for Zatanna and Poison Ivy and so on. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh so yeah, like El Diablo in this movie, like you get his full backstory of okay, he was, you know, like in charge of a gang, he was super powerful, and then he accidentally killed his family, and now he's like, I'm never gonna use my powers again because you know, I've gotten to the point where I've killed too many people and I need to atone for what I've done. Right, so I'll use them to write the word bye in the sky with fire or make a sexy dancing fire lady in my hand. Well, yeah, but he's like, I'm not going to kill anyone, though. Right, yeah. Uh, but then eventually he is forced into using his fire to burn part of a building by basically just Will Smith playing the drums with his head. Yeah. Just sort of going, eh, eh. He's baby, like, come on, do it, eh? do it. Baby gonna cry, huh, huh? Oh, stop hitting yourself. And then they stop have hitting the, yourself. the line from the, the trailers that looked awful, which was, you want, me, you want to see me do something? Huh? You want to see it? You want to see it? They just, you know, flamethrowers. Yeah, kinda. he just burns a couple of floors. It's like, you know, we could have brought a soldier with a flamethrower, and he would have done this, and he wouldn't have had any moral quandaries. <laughs> yeah, but then you have to lug a flamethrower around, and that shit is not like... Yeah, but they have a variable number of soldiers that they have. I never know exactly how many there are, or... There's just sometimes there's three and sometimes there's fifteen. Yeah, sometimes there's a squad of dudes with them and sometimes there's like three. Yeah, uh, there just... there are always those three though. Those three guys I can remember. Yeah, and then Katana's always there too because she's on. She's like Rick Flag's bodyguard or something. Ugh. There you go. Mentioned Katana again. Got that in. Good job. You <laughs> she... just like the movie. Yeah. There's a sequence at one point where she's crying and looking at her sword because her. By the way, her sword contains the souls of those it kills. Yeah. Which I think is true for regular Katana. Yeah. It's real weird to have them mention it in this movie because it doesn't, like, come up. Like, mostly she's just using it to carve up, like, weird eyeball zombies. Oh, yeah. There's no point where, A, we see it, like, take a soul. Yeah. B, the fact that it steals souls matters. Or C, the fact that, like, she's talking to it does anything. Yeah. We find out that the sword was used to kill her husband, and so his soul is in there. And that's why she's having a conversation with him. But it's, like, just off in a corner and... It's only so that Rick Flag can be like, yeah, that that sword steals souls, and she's talking to her husband. This is some exposition you needed. Yeah. I, uh, maybe they're setting her up for something else. I don't know. Why is she here? I don't know, man. She feels very, very extraneous to a movie that already had way too many moving parts. Yeah. You had all of these characters, and then they're like, also, Katana's here. And you're like, you have nothing to do with this movie. She could have been awesome. I mean, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that Katana is a bad character. I mean, she is kind of a bad character because she's one of them Asian martial arts sword characters that they always seem to do as if that counts as diversity. Like, well, we've got to put it in an Asian character. All right, they do they do chop sake with a, super cha- with a samurai chop sword. <laughs> Good job. We got it. Quota accomplished. We. Could they do something else? What? No, that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? Yeah. And also, she doesn't speak any English. 
So we don't have to give her any real lines or anything. We'll just have her say stuff excitedly in Japanese. She gets one line in English in the movie. She says, I'm not a bad guy. There you go. Um, that's during the bar sequence where they all sit down to drink in a bar and we get the only bit of, of uh, character for uh, development for uh, Killer Croc where like Harley's like, oh, all of us are ugly on the outside except for Inside. Killer Croc who's ugly on the outside too. And he just goes, not me. You said outside twice. Oh, whatever, I don't care. You piece of shit. I don't, How I, dare I, you? I also said that Paul Dini created Zatanna and Poison Ivy. So I know gonna, you did. We're going to get some letters. Postscript, I know he didn't. There we, <laughs> there we go. You can, you, Stop go typing. Stop typing. It's okay. I'm sure you've already hit send on that angry tweet. <laughs> he just did a great job of doing the art for them for many years. Yes. There you go. Uh, anyway, he goes, Killer Croc says, not me. I'm beautiful. beautiful. And then the, most of the rest of the movie, he just kind of goes, and mess, in, in the kind of deep bass way that you know is going to sound shitty when you watch this movie on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Killer Croc, I'm going to say this. His... Makeup, not terrible, except for when you see him and he's not wearing, like, a shirt and you can see his head along with his body because the head's, like, just way larger than it should be from the prosthetics. Yeah, the head makes him look like he's about to turn it from a regular Zord into a giant Zord <laughs> so, we, so we can fight the Power Rangers. Uh... That's kind of... But for the most part, they fix it in the movie by having him wear a hoodie all the time. Yeah, he's wearing, like... A big... A brown velour hoodie. Yeah, he's got, like, a baggy set of clothes on, and his hood is up, so that that way, when you look at him, you're like, oh, okay, that sort of looks like it's proportionate. Yeah. Honestly, he's great. The the uh, The scuttlebutt about this movie is that his character was originally going to be King Shark, and was going to be all CGI. But that was going to be expensive and difficult to work with, and it would have made it hard to film all the multi-character scenes in the movie. So they switched to an all-prosthetics uh, Killer Croc, and you know what? It's fine. It was nice to see an all-prosthetics character on screen for a while. Yeah. It was kind of like watching Drax in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. We were like, oh, this guy's imposing because the actor playing him is legitimately imposing. Yes. That's that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That yeah. was fine. So Killer Croc was A-okay in this movie with one very important exception <laughs> that we will be getting to shortly. <laughs> uh, so Joker shows up. Harley escapes. Uh, Amanda Waller commands uh, Deadshot to shoot Joker. Je- Deadshot misses. Uh... Amanda Waller calls for the helicopter that Joker is escaping in to be shot down. This happens. Uh, Joker looks like he dies. Harley gets thrown off the helicopter and survives. She reconnects with the group. They all decide to go drink in a bar. They go and drink in the bar. Then Rick Flagg comes in and is like, I was in love with a woman that was inside of Enchantress. Also, Deadshot, here's some letters from your daughter. Deadshot says, you had letters from my daughter? I'm on your side and we'll do whatever you want. Come on, everybody. They go to a building. They they encounter the Enchantress and the bad guy, and uh, they have to blow up a bomb that's under them but it's underwater so killer croc has something to do yay it's like it's like when they have a thing that's like also there's a threat underwater aquaman you've got this <laughs> i'll check the ocean <laughs> i'll talk to these fish and you always wonder that but other than that with the super friends wherever like superman's like i'll check in the himalayas and then aquaman's like i'll check the ocean and you're like that seems like a lot of fucking work for aquaman you know the world is mostly ocean right like he's <laughs> You think he's just going to fuck off and do something else every time? He's like, I'll check the ocean. It's never the ocean. I'm going to go to underwater Taco Bell. (laughs) 
yeah, man. Well, you know they've got Sub Diego, so he just gets that rad underwater Mexican food. Is it Sub Di- is Sub Diego DC? I always yep. forget. Okay, because I know that su- that San Diego is also some nonsense in the Marvel universe. No, man. Sub Diego is what happened when San Diego fell into the ocean, mm-hmm. and then like everyone randomly got gills or some shit. So Aquaman had a city. It's the only way they could give Aquaman a city like everyone else has. So he gets instead of get well, he should have just gotten like Aqua City to follow the DC naming convention. But nope, he gets Sub Diego to go along with Opal City and Keystone City and Gotham City and Metropolis City. Oh, Metropolis City. <laughs> Coast City, Star City, Bloodhaven City. I could do this all day. I'm not going to, though. Anyway, moving on. Uh, they fight. The, they find the two big bad guys, and they have a big, crazy fight with them where they're, they're briefly invincible, and then all of a sudden something they do works. In this case, it's that El Diablo reveals his actual power, which is turning into a Mayan fire skeleton. Which, man, that was pretty fucking rad. That was great. That was a surprise turnaround. I was like, dude, he's nice. He turns into a CGI fire hulk. He looks awesome. Yeah, that looked rad as fuck. Yeah, it was the best part. It, and then he gets in a big fight and, and is straight up winning until his fire power starts to, ru- st- uh, starts to run out when he's fighting against Incubus. Because their agreement is... We have to take out the big, crazy Incubus monster first, and then we can deal with the Enchantress. Yeah. So they all spend some time beating on Incubus. Uh, They blow him up with an underwater bomb. And then Enchantress turns from her weird eyeball goddess thing that she had turned into back into dirt bikini hippie and starts doing some teleporty sword fighting, which apparently is enough for her to just kick all their asses for a long time. Yeah. And she straight up kicks Harley in the vagina, by the way. I just want to Yeah, I'll just say that right now. Yeah. They don't show the connection... But there's the wind-up, and then the flying part, and you're like, whoa, okay. You yeah. just you just got crotch-punted. Yeah, she gets straight up kicked in the junk and goes flying as a result. And then she has a pretty nasty, she's like, as I said, like, ow, oh, oh, my creepy Joker babies. <laughs> so, And there's, there's a point where Enchantress is trying to be like, join me, and all your dreams will come true. And it goes and shows a couple people's dreams. Yeah. And of course, it's just Deadshot and Joker or Harley, but Deadshot well, De- is like is that he has killed Batman. Yeah, I'm like Deadshot isn't. Oh, I'm with my daughter, and I'm it's, rich. I'm killing Batman. So all of that stuff in, earlier in the film about oh, he actually just loves his daughter, and he's like maybe even a decent person. Nope, he just wants to kill Batman. Yeah, and then Harley Quinn's is oh, I'm normal, and Joker is normal, and we have a baby, and we're just regular people. It was and straight up somewhere fine. that's green. I, yeah. wish th- I wish she had been singing the song. That would have that would have sold that again. Just like how if if uh, Deadshot had said, "What are we? Some kind of Doom Patrol?" If they had cut to Harley's dream and it was her being very normal in a normal house with a normal Joker, and she was singing like uh, the su- uh, the TV's got howdy doody and the sun sets in the west. That would have been awesome. That's what I wanted for the cut to her doing somewhere that's green. Yeah, but but instead it's just she has a normal house and life, and you're like. Okay, so that also goes mostly against what we've got with Harley. Mm-hmm. She likes her crazy life. And That's- she's, we're, we, I mean, we've established that she's basically completely insane. Yes. Which means that at this point, her even imagining that is weird. No, her, her dream should have been that balloon sequence from the Professor Brothers. I'm sorry, <laughs> from China, Illinois. She's just going to cut into her head. It was just her dancing with a bunch of balloons and singing, Balloons! Motherfucking balloons! <laughs> <laughs> That, that would have been fine, because she's crazy, and she likes being crazy. So her dreams should be her being crazy. And then it goes to El Diablo, and it's that his family is alive, and they love him, and he's like, no, no, you do not show me my family. Fuck you. That is wrong. And yeah. I'm like, thank you. Again, yeah. El Diablo being the one person in this movie I like. Yeah. 
so it's funny. Because I, I love the the extremely very authentic slang that his wife uses for "let's have sex later." Well, where, where she comes down, she's like, "Hey, I'll put the kids to bed, and then maybe after that we could kick it." <laughs> <laughs> You know, kick it in the vagina like Harley over there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there, there's a big fight. And, of course, El Diablo dead because we couldn't not kill him off. Yeah, he, he holds down the, the bad guy until they manage to blow the bomb up, and it blows up El Diablo, too. Yeah, and some random soldier who had to press the button. Yes, so we don't even see that. Uh, and then Killer Croc pops up during the big fight with Teleporting Enchantress and grabs her and slams her into a wall, which was, which was pretty nice, fun to watch. Uh, and then they finally finish her off by having Killer Croc throw a satchel of dynamite near her, which Deadshot shoots. Blows she- up the machine. Yeah. And then fucking uh, Katana, like the Katana, mm-hmm. uh, Harley Quinn is like, yeah, sure, I'll join you. And then kneels and then takes the Katana and slices her chest open and rips the heart out. Yes. Yeah. Which then... That means she's not invincible anymore, so they blow her up with a satchel charge. Uh, and which, then crush it, the heart because she's like, no, I'll always try and murder you, fuck you. Oh, yeah, Rick Flagg does that. Yeah, because he's like, give me back my June, and she's like, no. Well, then do you have any meth? <laughs> <laughs> give me back my stuff, man. I gotta, gotta have it. <laughs> I, need to, I, need, I need to fix, man. Come on, man. I know you're holding Enchantress. <laughs> he just looks like DJ Qualls. I don't get it. <laughs> Oh my god, if DJ Qualls was Rick Flagg in this movie, that would have been amazing. He also kind of looks like that tall, skinny pirate from the two useless pirates in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I think Rigetti. Yeah, there you go. That's the evolution of the Pokemon that is that actor. Yeah, yeah. Scott, Scott Crook turns into... No, Scott Eastwood turns into Mackenzie Crook. I'm pretty sure is that guy's name. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Alright, so... So yeah, he crushes that, but sure enough, she comes popping out of that gross Enchantress mud, like just... uh. Like it's just like extra like rubber cement all over. Oh, it's it's like the uh, the dogs in Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, yeah, like the scary scary dogs in Ghostbusters. Yes, those incredibly not scary dogs in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Scared the hell out of me. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, that and then she's like, "Yay, I'm back, and and we can be together." And he's like, "Sweet, that's awesome. Do you are, are, are you holding?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, and then Waller just oh, Waller had been captured earlier and was being used by Enchantress as like a to where to find weapons. all of the like places to blow up. Yeah, so she comes popping out and she's like, "Great, you all get ten years off your prison sentences. Let's go." And everyone's like, "What? No, I need something more than that. We just saved the well, world." The only one that makes any sense is that Jai Courtney or Captain Boomerang comes up and he's like, "I'm serving a triple life sentence. I don't give a shit about ten years off my sentence." And of course, they make it play as if he's being very unreasonable. Yeah. He's like, look, I've got a triple life sentence. Ten years isn't going to do it, sweetheart. And then she's like, well, fine. Fuck you then. You get nothing. Yeah. Like, wow, you are the pettiest person. Yeah, she's very petty in this situation. She should be like, fine, you get one life sentence off. Yeah, come on. Just two more of these and you're done. Yeah. Then then at the last one, we'll switch it into ten years off. But for now, what she's offering him is nothing. Either way, it's nothing. Yeah. But, you know, we get... Uh, Will Smith is like, oh, I want to be able to see my daughter. And they're like, all right, fine, you can go see your daughter. Mm-hmm. And Harley wants an espresso machine. And she gets it. And Killer Croc. Oh, boy. Fucking Killer Croc wants BET. And he even said, he goes, BET. Yeah. Not, I want a large television so I can watch TV. Or any television, seeing as how they were keeping him in a locked up section of a sewer. Yeah. No, it's just, I want specifically. B-E-T, because if you couldn't tell, underneath this makeup, 
I'm a black guy. Yeah, it's uh, I can never say his name. Adewale uh, Agbaje. I, I'm not even going to try on the middle name. Mr. Echo. There you it's go. It's Mr. Echo in there. So, of course, he has to want a, a to want, he wants BET. I thought that was so dramatic and over the top that the, when they cut to him again and he's in prison and happy and he's eating a sandwich, I was like, oh, oh, it's not the horrible thing I thought. He wanted a BLT. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. a brief moment where it's like, oh, he just wanted a sandwich because they'd just been feeding him pigs and shit. Okay. That's it. That makes sense. I, I'm on board with that. No, but nope. B- no, he wants BET. <laughs> yeah, he wants BET. I'm just imagining that the shot. I was really scared that the shot was going to be like, oh yeah, and then it cuts to him and he's watching BET and eating fried chicken from a bucket. Well, he's you know, got a watermelon next to him. You know what? I'm going to say this. Maybe in this mo- movie, I think that guy's name is Waylon Jones. Is the the yeah. the killer croc? Maybe Waylon Jones is actually just a black guy. Like that has all the, the regular defects and deformities that Killer Croc always has. Because normally, yeah. th- normally they play him as sort of a absorbing man style, shirtless, bald white guy, I- unless he's got his Croc stuff going on. Yeah. So maybe he's actually black, and maybe he just actually really does enjoy BET. So maybe it's okay, you know? <laughs> yeah, but-, but no one's like, oh, what do you want? CNN. You don't ask for a channel. Uh, you that ask is for true. a T, or you say, give me cable, or some shit like that. The fact that he's like, I want BET. I'm like, dude, don't do that. <laughs> Come on. You already killed off both of your Mexicans. Don't make it so that the one wish of the black guy is BET. Oh, I wanted to talk about something that we skipped right over. There's a scene when Rick Flag breaks the machine that would blow up all their heads. Yeah. So and he's like, you guys are free to go. And of course, Captain Boomerang just gets up and walks out of the frame. And it's actually a relatively funny moment. Like, he just, he just doesn't even hesitate. He's like, we're free to go. And he just gets up and walks away. Oh, yeah. In he the- doesn't, doesn't say anything. It's yeah. just like all right, here you go, I broke it, you guys can go. And just without saying a word, just scooch and leave. Exit stage left. And it's it's a hilarious, well-done sequence. And I was like, I know he's going to be in the end of this movie, so they're going to have to do a scene where he shows up and he saves them, and he's like, I, I couldn't have left my friends alone, or whatever. But what actually happens is the very next shot is of all the characters walking heroically, and then he just enters stage right. And yeah, it's and he's it, just there. He just walks in from off stage. And he's like, sorry, I had to pee. It had nothing to do with the fact that he said we were free to go. He doesn't say anything. It's It's an abandoned joke. There was, a, there was a joke there that they just let die, but they left in the structure of it. Uh, so good. He was like, well, I can't leave. What are we, some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I tried to get into space, but it turns out that we aren't some kind of stall jammers. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're all a little too young. We're all a bit of teen titans. Go. <laughs> they're gonna go give them some young justice (laughs) maybe some young avenging (laughs) (sighs) yeah there you go when by the end of the movie he's all what are we the super friends because because we all have a deep mutual respect for each other now oh and at the end of the movie what are we some kind of care bears Why do we have that katana with us? What are we, some kind of samurai pizza cats? <laughs> what do we got? We got some sort of mission we're going on, and what are we, a tribe called Quest? <laughs> that dead shot leaves a big trail of bodies. What are we, some kind of and you shall know us by the trail of dead? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> right, so uh, Enchantress used to be in charge of things. And now her brother's a big black guy. Well, Godspeed, you black emperor. <laughs> you just changed the framework, but I still love it. 
fine. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, and then at the end, Joker shows up and breaks out Harley Quinn. So best and worst. Let's let's do that. Uh, okay. Best thing in the movie for you. Give uh, me your highlight. Well, I know you want to take El Diablo, so I'm going to say that Harley Quinn is is competently played. Looks really cool. And uh, they they give her a lot of interesting, confident stuff. There's a scene; she has a fight scene in an elevator that is like legitimately well executed, where she turns out to be quite dangerous by herself. There's a scene where she looks like she's drowning in a in a like a, stuck in a seatbelt in a car, and when Batman gets near her, she comes to life and violently tries to kill him, yeah. even though she's drowning. So that's that's cool. They they did a great job creating a crazy, believable Harley Quinn for her first ever movie appearance. Yeah, and her first ever ever live action appearance. Even she looks awesome. I mean, I, I know that there's a scene where she has a voice, like a single line in an Arrow episode. <laughs> I know, but we don't see her or nothing. So there you go. So I liked her. I thought she did a great job in this. You? Uh, well, it's going to be El Diablo is my favorite thing in this. Specifically the fact that he has some growth and oh, tension within him. At. So yeah, the the one character in there that is at all conflicted about anything and has decisions to make like we get at least a little bit of that with rick flag but he's so boring that it doesn't matter like and mostly it's just oh i need to make a decision about whether or not i kill this incredibly insane powerful witch yeah yeah whether or not she's holding (laughs) yeah I just don't believe him being set up as the world's ultimate soldier when he's got that much of a shit smear of facial hair happening. <laughs> uh, he looks like he fell down in makeup. He doesn't look like a badass. No, he looks like he was eating a lot of sticky stuff and then fell down in a barbershop. He looks like the dumb character in a Slim Jim commercial. <laughs> he looks like a character that would be named Slim Jim in a show. Yeah, he looks like the subject of a Jeff Foxworthy joke. Yes. He he looks like he should be playing the neighbor in a Jeff Foxworthy show. Yes. He looks like Bill Engvall should give him a sign. There you go. I know all my blue-collar comedy. He seems like he knows how to get her done. (laughs) He probably has an opinion on a bulldog's nuts. It's really really hard to do Ron White. Yeah, (laughs) he seems like he has the alias tater salad. There There you go. go. So, so El Diablo, best thing for me. Yeah. I, I... I hate that they were like, here you go, here's a character, he's interesting, let's kill him. Anyway, goodbye. Eh, his death arc is fine, it makes sense, it's what he wanted throughout the course of the movie is to be done. Yeah. It, it was okay, he was a good character, it's a shame he's gone, but it, it was a good arc. Yeah, he yeah. had at least an arc, so good for him. Yeah. Okay, uh, so worst thing in the movie for you? Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna take the music. Okay. Like I said at the very beginning, it's it's my dad's iPod on shuffle, and there are scenes in this movie where a song ends and another song just starts it's just like, whoa, 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 we seem to have run out of Blues Traveler. Let's get some Credence going. Yeah, it's just nonstop for the beginning of the movie. And, and then, then again it, towards the very end. Yeah, and then yeah. at the end they're like, well, we need some more of that iPod going. Yeah, it's it's not well thought out. It's almost like they were like, okay, what was one of the big things about the last big ragtag bad guy sort of good guy movie? Oh, well, it had a killer soundtrack, and the soundtrack was an integral part of the film. So let's just copy that, and we'll just get even more expensive music. So we'll just get the Rolling Stones. And then they didn't realize that the weird music that made up the, uh, the awesome playlist volume one was, it was well thought out, and it had some hilarious shit on it, yeah. and some stuff that no one remembered. I mean, Redbone was not in the public consciousness until Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> between about 1978 and now. Yeah. 
No one was like, come and get your love. That's a rad song. I can't wait. Or, or even David Bowie. Before that, that movie, everyone was like, okay, what's the best David Bowie song? Well, it's probably like Heroes or something. But now Moon Age Daydream has come back into the public consciousness. This movie did not bring Credence back into the public eye. No one was like, well, I had never even thought of House of the Rising Sun before, and now I remember that it exists. Yeah. I mean, that they, they missed the boat entirely. They could have gotten it right. Well, also the fact that the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack was actually integrated into the movie. And was thematic, because it was a the, a tape owned by a kid from the early 80s made by his mom who liked a lot of 70s music. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was integrated as part of the movie yeah. rather than just some stuff that we wanted to play. I mean, if they, it would have been kind of fun if they had actually done that and taken it to heart and set this movie in like the late 90s and done late 90s new metal for everything. That would have... that, that would have Slipknot for yeah. Slipknot. Oh, man, imagine how much fun it would have been if Harley Quinn had showed up to some of that fucking swing revival bullshit from right around that time period. <laughs> She comes on and a fucking like Royal Crown Review song starts playing. Oh yeah, you give me that zip gun bop and I will be on board one hundred percent. Yeah, man, some zoot suit riot for when the Joker makes his appearance. Yeah. That's that would have been awesome. They could have actually themed the music instead of just playing one again. One oh four point seven's greatest hits. Classic rock. Forty minutes of unstoppable, no commercials, classics. Yeah. And then forty minutes of commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the, uh, so the yeah. music. there you go. Yours. Okay. There was a lot of problems that I had with this film. Mostly the fact that it was three films in one and super disjointed, but I really also want to just say, man, just let Harley have any clothes at all. Oh yeah. This movie was one long butt shot. It was just any time Margot Robbie was on screen. You're like, Okay, hey, Harley, what do you do? And there's an ass shot. And you're like, come on, man. I know you wanted to put her in the skimpiest thing you could possibly find. Good job, you did it. But you don't need every scene to be an ass shot. You know that audience that has not seen this movie yet? You know that scene in the commercial where she smashes a window and then bends over a lot so she can pick up a purse that is it? you know, you don't need to bend over for at height and then, and then bends back up and the whole time the camera's focused right in on her butt? Uh, do you know what that scene serves in the movie? Uh, the exact same as the commercial. There's nothing added to it, and it is fade to black, cut to that, so- that shot you saw in the commercial already, fade to black again. It's just, oh, I had to prove that I'm a bad guy because I stole a purse from a window. Okay, yeah. but then that purse ceases to exist in the next scene. It was a throwaway joke and a chance to look at your butt. Right. I, I did like that there was a single shot in this movie of her in the original Harlequin outfit. She was like, it looks terrible. And she's dancing with the Joker in it. It, and, and it was the very famous uh, Alex Ross painting of Harley Quinn and the Joker where they're all dressed up fancy. Mm-hmm. There's, it's a very famous one, and they recreate it in sort of like a dream sequence-ish thing. Yeah, and it's it's cool to see that that outfit is given any kind of attention in the, in the film. It's neat to see her in it, and you can see why she doesn't wear it all the way through the movie because it's terrible looking. Yeah. Uh, but what they put her in instead is like, whoa. <laughs> I feel like those uh, those stupid Arkham games have basically turned oh, yeah. turned her into a stripper, and this and movie just fell, fell, followed along. It's every time she's had an appearance in one of those Arkham games up until this movie, it, she's just wearing less and less. Yeah. Until I'm sure, like, they're going to do, like, ah, oh, it's Arkham World, and now she's just wearing pasties and a thong. So your least favorite was the disjointedness of the film. Yeah, and then just sort of some of the design decisions, particularly around Harley. Yeah, Harley's pants are... Oh, <laughs> A little much. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not. I'm not complaining. It's Margot Robbie. I would look at her butt all day, forever. But you know what? If I need to see her naked, I've got the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm all set. 
Yeah, it was just, come on, guys. Come on. Uh, plus, it doesn't doesn't help that you compare her against the villain who is never not in a bikini. Also, let me just go ahead and say this. The only time anyone references Harley Quinn is to say she is hot or she is crazy. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's uh, usually both. Yep. Usually it's, that's a lot of crazy for someone so hot. Man, you're super hot, but so nuts. You're like, great, thanks. Yeah, there's, uh, I really wanted a sequence where someone pointed out that she is good at fighting. Yep, no one does. Yeah. They're like, wow, you're crazy when you fight all hot. That's, that's what you... <laughs> Man, you fight good for a crazy hot chick. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. Anyway, you know, there you go. That's I, it. I think her performance was good enough that we'll see her again. And, oh, I'm and, sure. And I'm looking forward to that because I feel like they could develop the character in, in an interesting way. So, now we'll get our ratings one to five from each of us. That gives the rating out of ten for the movie. Jeff? Two... Really? Yeah. What? Okay. What are you hoping for, higher or lower? I, I thought you liked it more than a two. No, I did not. Okay. I, I, there were. I, I checked my watch during the filming or, or during the screening, which is never a good sign. True. It has way too much introduction. Okay. Um, for a lot of characters, it didn't need it at all. And, you know, there's two of them that don't even get it. You know, Katana and, and Slipknot do not require or receive an introduction. Nope. They're just, here we are. But I feel like they could have skipped a few more of those. I could have done with a little less Will Smith in his brown leather pimp outfit that he has and um more more superheroing there's one shot in this movie of deadshot doing deadshot stuff yep one the first time they fight zombies he gets up on top of a car and uses his wrist guns every time after that he does not use those wrist guns before or after that sequence yeah it's unfortunate there's in one shot and he's, he's and then a different one one shot where he puts his helmet on for a split second shoots a couple zombies then rips his helmet off so he can go bother el diablo yep so, uh, yeah, it's a two. It's kind of boring. Uh, it's wor- There's cool special effects, and that's why it's getting above anything anything above that. So it's about a two for me. Okay. Maybe maybe a two and a half. All right. You know what? I'll go ahead and say a two and a half. What do you say? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it... I'll give it a two and a half. I'm mostly giving it the extra half because it's taking place in the established DC universe and isn't the Superman films that we've had, and that gives it half a point. <laughs> Just because Snyder wasn't directing it, that's basically half a point right there. <laughs> well, look forward for that extra half a point bonus for the upcoming Wonder Woman movie, which I'm sure you'll make us see. Right? Actually, I really want to see that, so I'm sure you won't. Oh, yeah. They'll be like, oh, wait, Wonder Woman looks decent. No. <laughs> Hopefully Tyler Perry puts out a movie that month. <laughs> uh, you're going to go make us see Suicide Squaw. <laughs> Suicide Squaw. Man, that is the Just darkest. Just a real depressing movie. <laughs> Man, white people are the worst. I just saw Terrence Malick's Suicide Squaw. Oh, God. We did some terrible things. <laughs> no. No, nope, nope. Nope. So, uh, so yeah, two and a half? Yeah, so I'm giving it a two and a half. That's for me. So you want to give it a two and a half as well. So five out of ten, it is half of a decent movie, and the other half is a bunch of disjointed nonsense. Yeah, if you mix three movies together, you get half of a good one. Yep. So there you go. Five out of ten from us. All right. That'll pretty much... Uh, I'll tell you what you need to know. We're all up. <laughs> I'm real sorry we didn't go see Sausage Party, everybody. Yep, I'm real sorry we didn't do that. But at least we didn't give money to that studio that was being an asshole to its animators. Yeah, that was an important thing. I didn't want to. I didn't want to support that. That was us for the week. Go ahead and join us in two weeks, where we will be doing a regular mm-hmm. uh, movie mastery. So if you have a suggestion for that, you can always let us know. We'll try and get that onto the big list. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, wait for next month. We'll have another poll up. We'll see if it's going to be as close as this one. Maybe, maybe not. I don't remember what comes out next month, so I have no idea what we should be looking forward to. Usually, it's September is kind of a dumping ground. So yeah. So, so who knows? There you go. So uh, watch for that, and of course, you can check out all of our other podcasts: the System Mastery, the Afterthought. You can go ahead and let us know what you think about the movie. If you've seen it, go ahead and leave some comments on yeah. the site. Support us on Patreon. We are currently $25 away from meeting, meeting our next goal. Yeah, we will finally get rid of some ads on the site. Yeah, I didn't even know they were there because I'm always logged in when I'm on the site. So you yeah, can't I'm see always them. under admin, so I yeah. don't see anything. But apparently there are ads on the site, and I don't want that, and that's that's stupid. So it, for uh, at $400, we'll take the site to Pro, which does two things. It lets us get rid of the ads entirely. Technically, it also lets us replace the ads with ads that we get money for. But fuck that. I like Patreon. <laughs> so so we will get rid of the ads entirely, and it gives us extra storage space, which is good because our storage count is at 80% right now. Yeah, we just keep creeping right up on that edge of having all of the storage space taken up. Yeah. So that'll give us a little extra time. I don't want to hit the point where we have to start pulling the old episodes down. So Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get there. We'll get there one way or the other. So thanks so much for your support. If you are supporting, if you're not, check us out on Patreon. Yep. You can go ahead and support us there. And, of course, if you've got anything you want to know, you can uh, email us, systemmastery at gmail. And, of course, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at systemmastery. Thank you so much. We will see you in a couple weeks for more Movie Mastery, but until then, you have a good one. Man, this movie really put me in kind of a slumpy slump. <laughs> what, are, what are you, some kind of slumpicide squad? <laughs> <laughs>